This is the big pond. There are three common words, the three R's, that we always hear when we talk about trash. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Because trash is a part of all of our lives, and our apparent inability to deal with it properly has become an increasingly unavoidable problem on a global level. One of the main ways that we can prevent our trash from ending in the ocean or in landfills is recycling, and it is something that we can all get behind. Recycling is a cross-gender, cross-class, cross-race, cross-ethnic phenomenon, and it literally has um, won the hearts and minds of the American people. But the recycling system in most of the United States is not working. In my hometown of Baltimore, the recycling rate is a mere 28%. To the the extent that the U.S. cities are stagnating in recycling uh, is because of the institutions, not because of the will of the people. So today, I'm going to take a look at recycling in Baltimore and in Berlin, Germany, the capital of the country with the best recycling rate in the world. Is recycling really the answer to our waste problems, or... Have we been barking up the wrong trash can? So recycling is handled differently in every country, and in the U.S., even in every state. So to start out, I talked with Rebecca Sparks, who lives in Baltimore County and works at an ecological restoration company in the area. This is how she recycles at home. We basically have two um, bins in our kitchen. We have one for trash and one for recycling. So everything goes in one glass, paper, um, plastic, and metal That all goes down once a week, take it to the end of the driveway, and it gets picked up. So Baltimore has this single-stream recycling system. And single-stream recycling has been adopted by a lot of states in the past decade in an effort to make recycling simpler for the individual. But Rebecca has seen some of the difficulties of recycling firsthand. In high school, she was the president of Hope Club, Harvard's organization for protecting the environment. Before I got there, the club had kind of fought to get recycling because I think initially they, the school just didn't have recycling, um, which is absurd when you think about how much paper a school goes through. Um, and the agreement was that we could have recycling if the club was the one who dealt with it. So every week we'd assign students to different hallways and we'd go and collect the recycling and take it out to the recycling dumpsters. There were times when we'd go into a classroom to collect the recycling and like the big blue box would be empty and then the trash can is full of paper. So we occasionally, like if we had time... I'd go in and just like pull the paper out and put it in the recycling bin. Um, And there was also sometimes when teachers would be really dismissive of the whole system. I don't know if it's just a generational gap and not understanding the impact or if it was, I don't think it was actively hostile, but there were some teachers or um, substitutes in some cases where I point out that something they threw in the trash can could really go in the recycling. I was like, hey, can you recycle that? And they're like, oh, it all goes to the same place. It's like, actually, it doesn't. We come around once a week and we we make sure it goes to the right place. Um, So it was kind of frustrating hitting those those kinds of roadblocks, just people being really dismissive of it when it's something that you care about and reducing the impact of waste. Apart from people simply not participating, a problem with single-stream recycling has shown to be that what is simpler for the individual actually makes the job a lot more difficult for the processing facilities, resulting in a lot of materials ending up in the wrong place. In the industry... This is referred to as contamination. So in Berlin, it's a little bit different. This is Rahe Shimionik. She's a friend of mine from university and also happens to live in my neighborhood. All right, so we separate um, basically into four different trash cans, the stuff that we use and throw away. We have one for everything that is um, organic. So for everything that 
um, is leftover food or thin paper, stuff like that, that goes into into one uh, trash can. Then we have another one for plastic and um, recyclable hard hard plastic stuff. And then we have another one for paper. So for example, if we have a if I'm using up a yogurt, then I would pull off the paper that is around the yogurt cup. And then I would put it into the paper trash bin and then the rest would go into the recyclable plastic trash bin. And then we have another um, section for glass, but we don't really have a bin for our glass at home. We just have a corner in the kitchen where we put all the glasses. So this is called dual stream recycling. And in a global comparison, this has proven to be pretty effective. Germany's recycling rate is 64%, one of the best in the world. But Rahir also has some concerns about the current system. I think it's better than just throwing everything into one bin and not separating it at all, because that means you can uh, recycle things better and more e- in a more efficient way. It's good for the environment. But sometimes I feel like it's a bit too much as well, because I'm not even really sure if everything is you know, staying that separate as we separate it. Because sometimes we hear stories like, oh, it's going to end up all in the same place anyway. I should inform myself about that better. <laughs> to find out more, I talked to Tobias Quast. My name is Tobias Quast. Ich bin beim BUND, Bund für Umwelt und Naturschutz Deutschland, beim Berliner Landesverband. He works with the German Federation for Environment and Nature Conservation. The German acronym for that is BUND. It's one of the biggest environmental nonprofit organizations in the country. But as you can hear, this interview was in German, so I'll give you the rundown. First off, I asked what the official recycling rate is in Berlin, because I couldn't really find any clear-cut numbers online. But <laughs> he didn't really come out with a straight answer. After asking again, he told me that the numbers that are paraded around don't actually mean that much. And this is for two reasons. First, the amount of recycled materials is measured after pickup, before any of the further sorting and processing. So the actual recycling rate, or what comes out at the end as a reusable resource, is actually a bit lower. The other factor is that our everyday understanding of what recycling is, is not the same as the government's definition. At least when it comes to the yellow bin, the one for plastic. So when I, and I assume everyone else, think of recycling, I think... I recycle my plastic yogurt container, it gets melted down and turned into a new yogurt container. But in reality, at least in Germany, this is not the case. Due to hygienic standards, this isn't really feasible with the current technology in Germany. And, even more predominantly, Germany actually relies on this recycled plastic for something else. Energy. Quest told me that only 20 to 30 percent of the recycled plastic actually gets reused. Everything else is burned in incinerators and literally powers the country. Ever since the Kohleausstieg, or the decision to stop using coal, Germany had to get its energy from somewhere else. And wind energy wasn't cutting it. Apparently, the German state thinks that our plastic waste just appears out of thin air, because, at least on paper, this counts as a renewable energy. But the reality is that burning recyclables doesn't just concern the now-lost material, in this case plastic, but also has to do with all the energy that went into producing that product in the first place. The energy needed to extract the oil from the ground, transport it to the refinery, and then to the processing facility where it is turned into plastic before being shipped to the manufacturer. 
and according to Quest, the energy generated through burning that plastic yogurt container doesn't even get close to the amount of energy that was needed to create it in the first place. But apart from the problems that Germany faces on a systematic level, Berlin actually isn't that good at separating trash in comparison to the rest of the nation. According to Quest, this is due to big city anonymity. In the smaller German towns, things work a little bit differently. Dr. Heide Schreiber-Pan, who now lives in Baltimore but grew up in Germany, told me what this was like for her growing up. You get a trash can that's pretty small, and they pick it up uh, once a week or every two weeks, and if you create more trash than fits into that trash can, you have to pay a fine. So in order for you not to pay a fine, you have to be pretty intentional about recycling. So. What would happen is you would recycle the paper and the glass and all that. And then once a week, um, we would drive it up to, uh, gosh, I don't even know the, the English word for that, but it was like a recycling station. And then we would drive up there on Saturday and it was a family thing. And I did, threw the papers in here and my sister threw the glass in here. And then we drive back home. And the only thing that gets picked up right at your door um, you know, curbside pickup was only trash. But in Berlin, most people live in apartment buildings, and the trash is taken out centrally. So no one checks to see if you put your trash in the right bin, and there are no direct fines for producing too much waste. There are a couple initiatives who want to invest in new technology to track who throws out what, but that means more money. The BSR, the Berliner Stadtreinigung, which is the city's central waste management company, focuses mostly on burning trash, since the incinerators belong to them. They also get money directly from these non-recyclable bins. So they would not really profit at all if trash separation were to be optimized. That being said, however, the recycling rate, even when accounting for definition particularities, is a lot higher in Berlin than it is in Baltimore. So would going back to a dual-stream system help? Dr. Schreiber Penn doesn't think so. To be honest with you, I don't think that would work well in the U.S., because people are not really brought up to um, to see recycling as something that we do to help the community or for the planet. I, I think to make it work in the U.S., it has to be convenient. Because uh, people are not, they're super busy here. Everyone's got this, these crazy schedules. They're busy. They're not going to take time on a Saturday to go and as a community recycle their recycling stuff. I just don't think that would work here. I mean, we're the land of the drive throughs Everything drive through The bank, the McDonald's, <laughs> the laundry, you know. So I, people like convenience here. And we have to make recycling convenient so that people will actually do it. To find out more about recycling in the U.S., I spoke with Dr. Neil Seldman. My name is Neil Seldman. Uh, I am uh, a co-founder of the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. He told me that the problem with recycling here has two aspects. On the one hand, we have the problem that no one wants our trash. The, uh, the impact of uh, China's uh, decision uh, not to accept single-stream materials from the United States is because the materials are contaminated both with garbage, non-recyclable things, and also the plastic and paper has been contaminated by glass shards that are developed during the collection processing of, of all recyclables together. And uh, as of the end of 2017, the Chinese started refusing uh, these loads. I believe uh, number, the two reasons. One, they wanted clean materials for their machines. 
uh, to improve their own environment. And secondly, the cost of labor in China has been rising. And that means that China no longer wanted to spend money cleaning up Americans' uh, recycled materials. Uh, so there was this cutoff. It was announced well ahead of time. American uh, processors tried to delay. Uh, ultimately, uh, China would not change its, its, its position. And now Americans have to clean up their act. I say it's going from sloppy recycling to, to clean stream recycling are the terms that we, we often use. To get away from this sloppy recycling, the technology in the MRFs, or materials recovery facilities, would have to be improved. While some critics advocate for the return to dual-stream recycling, the ILSR isn't so quick to give up on single-stream systems. We believe that single-stream recycling can work. Uh, We point to Boulder, Colorado, and uh, Twin Cities, Minneapolis, and St. Paul, where you have single-stream systems that are about two to 300 tons each, and they're working quite well. Uh, it's the 900,000 ton per day uh, single stream uh, processing plants that are focused on pushing through material as opposed to uh, getting high quality material. Uh, the key to Boulder and Twin Cities success is that those processing companies are owned by grassroots recycling companies, uh, companies that are dedicated to good recycling. Uh, for both economic and environmental reasons, whereas the large MRFs, the 900 to 1,000 ton per day MRFs, are owned by waste management companies who make 60 to 70 percent profit when they put garbage in their landfills and make at most 7 percent profits when they get involved in recycling. And um, as a result of that, Wall Street always warns these companies that if they want their stock to stay, stock prices to stay high, they have to limit recycling because recycling is cutting into their markets. Um, we feel that recycling has to be separated from garbage companies because garbage companies don't care. Uh, and recycling can be a major component of a sustainable city, region, and country. Uh, but it has to be taken seriously. And we feel that uh, the large waste management companies are, have self-interest and not public interest at heart. So here, too, those waste management companies have no interest in better recycling technology. So recycling in Germany is not all what it's cracked up to be, at least not in Berlin, and at least not under my understanding of what recycling should be. And that recycling is a problem in Baltimore, and in the United States as a whole, is not really contested. So what now? The issues surrounding recycling are, in part, a lot more systematic than I had imagined, which makes me feel a little bit powerless. But in talking to so many different people, one message kept coming back. We have to live the three R's in the correct order. Rebecca, who we heard from earlier, made a really good point about this as well. I think a lot of times recycling can lead to complacency. So because people feel like, oh, I'm recycling it. They feel fine using five paper cups in a day or buying things that just come in these disposable containers that we're so used to. I think that um, a lot more can be done higher up. So like on an individual level, yeah, recycling is great. Everyone should do it. It's like we should keep doing it. But I don't think the responsibility for something like waste should always fall on the individual consumer. I think that that is an attitude that's been perpetuated um, especially recently with like the no straws kind of movement, um, which is great that people are using less straws, but it's also, it kind of shifts the focus away from those who are creating these products and sending them out into the world and 
shames the individual consumer for using what's around them. And I think we need to put a lot more focus on the higher up level and stop producing as much plastic in the first place. Because, I mean, you have reduce, reuse, recycle. Recycle's the third one on that list. We should start with reduce. So whether our policies and regulations change or public awareness increases so much that we as consumers are able to shift the market, one thing is for sure. We as world citizens have to be the catalysts of change. We can use our voices both in the voting booth and even more importantly, in what and how much we consume. From Berlin, this is Nina Bullman for The Big Pond. Wunderbar together. You've been listening to The Big Pond a series of dialogues between Germans and Americans, coming to you from PRX and the Goethe Institute.